Recording live from the Engine Room in Broad Ripple, this is the Voices of Indie podcast hosted by Josh Gillespie. Voices of Indie is a show dedicated to giving you the opportunity to know the musical, visual, and theatrical arts of Indianapolis, Indiana. This week's guest is musician Ian Mast. And today's episode is sponsored by Indianapolis Independent Entertainment. IIE LLC's goal is to help grow local DIY artists, freelancers, and businesses within Indianapolis and generate more paying creative opportunities. Their mission is simple to establish a network of creatives who excel in areas of need and connecting them with other network members. This way, they can help to expand the local art and music scenes. IIE believes that by eliminating some of the intimidating barriers within the, within the entertainment industry, more opportunities will be produced for local freelancers and businesses. This will help Indianapolis become the place to go to the place to go for art and music in the Midwest. If you are interested in learning more, go to their website, www. IndieIndieEnt.com. That's I N D Y I N D I E E N T. dot com, and fill out a free application to discuss how you and I I E can redefine making it together. This week's podcast guest, as I mentioned earlier, is Ian Mast, music Hello. musician and musical sound sound man extraordinaire. Yes. Uh, thank you for being on the live stream, which we had our own hiccups with but yeah. that's okay yeah it's fine um but but thank you for sticking around for the podcast portion of course yeah uh for those who may have missed the podcast or the live stream uh give us a quick rundown who is ian mast where are you from where i from um ian mast is from tucson arizona <laughs> i'm born and raised in arizona i moved up to indiana for school doing my master's in music technology and I make electronic music. I make funny videos. You do all of that. I do and all you, stuff. you, you, you not, not just funny videos, but you make some, some solid serious music. You make some solid funny music. You make some solid funny videos. Uh, you are the real cat dad. The real cat dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which if you miss the, which again, if you miss a live stream, we got the whole story about cat dad. I, I, Firmly suggest you check out the live stream uh, portion of that to get that full story. Uh, but yes, Ian is a true cat dad. A true cat. Dad. You have five cats. Five cats that you're allowed to talk about. I'm allowed to talk about. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, one thing that I wanted to ask you, yes. because you're from Tucson, the one thing that I wanted to ask you in the la- in in um. In, in the live stream that we that I didn't get to, so I saved it for this. Was you you started doing this in Arizona, correct? Correct. Yes. So how do you go from from Arizona to Indiana when you have presumably a a kind of a fan base that you've been able to develop to a certain degree in Arizona, and you have to start fresh. You have to start anew here in in Indianapolis. What what's that been like for you? I think a lot of it has boiled down to who still follows me online i've never really been too big in the physical scene in fact like i think indiana was one of the first physical scenes that i've actually been to like open mics for been to shows for um and it's been kind of a new experience here and in tucson there's really only like select few shows here and there that you can actually really do stuff at so um, it was a little difficult, I will say, because of not only just the place change, but the name change, the everything changing, like going to a different school, like continuing into a master's program instead of just my bachelor's. I'd say most of my fans were really just like friends, family and like classmates, like mm-hmm. a lot of my classmates would 
bump into me in the halls and go, Hey, cat dad. And I go, Hey, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, just that sort of thing. And now not so much. I'm not really in the halls anymore at IUPUI. It's kind of more like a, I'm at home, I'm online and someone DMs me going, Hey, I saw this photo of a cat. Uh, that's awesome <laughs> you know? that's your interaction with your fan base yeah. now it's like hey check out this cat yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well so but you've been able to play out yeah yeah what's that been like for you because your your music is is hard to categorize it it's very hard to categorize it's very hard to perform live as well because what I do live is play mallets and it's really hard to sing and play mallets at the same time. You'll see people on Instagram do it with like vibraphone and stuff, but that is an entirely separate ballpark from what I'm used to. And coming here, I was just like, I'm just going to play some songs that I used to play like instrumental wise. And I did that at a few open mics and I was like, Oh, okay, well I just released a song that's just lyrics and background. So I'm just going to sing, but it feels so awkward to just go up and just sing to a backing track that I'm not playing for. So I've been trying recently oh. to try and figure out like how I can do both at once, but it gets really difficult, which is why I love the media scene where I have social media or TikTok or just like YouTube to go on and be like, all right, I've edited this video uh-huh. so much and it looks so great and it is me playing and it is all this other stuff and me singing dancing all that fun stuff and i've been editing videos for a very long time so it really helped smoothen the deal yes 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 and 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 trust me ian likes to have fun uh if you haven't seen the feeling alive video uh there's a stripper pole that's all i'm gonna say um so um what's it like been to play live here i mean since you've been able to kind of transition into that um what's it like to be able to get to know the scene here in indianapolis a lot of it was honestly just uh through word of mouth um like people at the university were like oh you should check out this place called sound space and i was like oh, okay and then i went to one of their open mics and went to a few of their open mics and i still go to their open mics and then they're like Irvington has open mics every Wednesday or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I go and check that out. And then I go to like some other place and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, open mics are everywhere here. It's kind of crazy how big the music scene is, but it's all very hidden. So it is, you know, I had to really really dig for it. Yeah. yeah, You have to dig for it, but it's everywhere. Oh yeah. You stumble into it. (laughs) No, that that's, that's, that's what I've noticed. And, um, what has been the reaction to what you bring to the table? Um, well, it's been mixed, you know, like people are like, oh my God, that's so cool. You playing that xylophone up there. And I'm like, the what? And they're like, the xylophone. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I do get a little bitter about it. You know, it is yeah. technically a xylophone, but it's not. But it's not. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, for anyone out there, just because I want to give this little PSA, xylophones are wooden and they are very dinky sounding. They sound like uh, marimbas are wooden, but they have a much lower tone, so they'll sound like do 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 do. Yeah, and then yeah. vibraphone, which is what I like to play a lot on my mallet cat, um, mm-hmm. is the more metallic sound um, that I'm not even going to try and emulate the with okay. my mouth. Um, <laughs> okay. And if you, if for anyone that really wants to learn a fun word, um, uh, if you hear like a bell sound, like a high pitched bell sound, those that's, uh, that's a glockenspiel. Yes. 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 They all look somewhat similar. They're they're pretty much the same. Um, I mean, like, they're all based on a piano. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's all based... And piano is a percussion instrument, too. Yes. If nobody's familiar, it's essentially just a hammer hitting a string, and then the string vibrates. But that's just what I'm doing, but without the extra steps. 
There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, let's talk a little bit about about that the work that you've done socially. Um, so what has it been like to kind of grow your fan base socially, like on, on the networks? Because I mean, like you say, you got your fans sending you cats. Um, because you were the cat dad. You yes. are the real cat dad. Yes. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, you've, you, you actually have a pretty healthy following going on Instagram. Like you, you, you kind of knock it out on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, um, it, Instagram loves me a lot more than TikTok does. I will say that <laughs> I will put like seven hours into a video, mm-hmm. edit the heck out of it, post it. And then TikTok will see like five views. Yeah. If that, and then Instagram's like, you just got 24,000 views on this one post where you took off your headphones. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> it, I don't get but, it either. Um, a lot it of either. it, honestly, is just about like, I mean, I wish I could say consistency, but like, it's supposed to be consistency. But I, I really am the kind of person that will disappear for like two months on Instagram, just posting stuff on my story. And then I'll come back like two weeks before release and be like, hey, I'm releasing something. And then like up until the release and then the week after that. And then I kind of just forget to post for a bit. Sure. Um, but a lot of it really is just being real and like, I don't know, just posting memes on my page and like reposting everyone else's stuff. Because as much as I want to repost my own things or mm-hmm. push my own stuff out there, like other people are making music too. And yeah. I think it's really important to empower other people with what I have to say and people like that. And so when they see that I'm trying to share their stuff or I see someone's thing and I'm like, everyone go listen to this dude's music. You know, people want to send me cats. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand about that. that. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, sometimes I'll even just get like random people on Instagram where they're yeah. like, yeah, I saw you had some cats. Here's my cat. And I go, Okay. I like your cat. Um, <laughs> Does it just seem really strange to you that people said you cats? I mean, for a bit, no. Now, yes, because I don't go by cat dad anymore. And yeah. I think it's just that I do have cats. But um, and your cats do make an appearance in a lot of your, they do, your, your, yes. your things. So. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say on purpose, but they, it is on purpose. I guess, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll just have one of them and I'm sure. like, well, I'm filming and I need to finish this take. So there's a cat in my arms right now. And then there's once again the conehead video. Yes, uh, that conehead uh, video is that's that's something. <laughs> I love it. I love that is a, a hilarious song. <laughs> that and 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 we talked about that earlier. Is like you have this tremendous ability to do very funny stuff, um, and it it but but you're able to to kind of cross over into some of the serious stuff as well. What's that like for you as as a musician? Does does that pull you in certain different ways, or how does that work out for you? It always feels um, difficult to make something serious because I walk a thin line of cringe, and <laughs> I I feel like if you're too far into the cringe zone in uh-huh. either way, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the middle of the road. Sure, you have to go past something to make it more serious, and you have to go past something to make it more funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you either go too far or not far enough then you enter the cringe zone where it is just like someone fake screaming into a microphone. Yeah. Um, and I want it to be real and I want it to be something that someone can listen to and go, yeah, I, I can relate to this or this is really funny because someone I know has had this happen to them regardless Mm -hmm. of if it's funny or if it's serious. Like for instance, we talked about TV love earlier. That's Mm -hmm. a serious song about losing a hobby and then growing to love it again as you get older or rekindling that lost love. And then there's um, 
an older video. I guess I wouldn't say older video, but from like June, I had this, you wouldn't download a house video. I thought that was hilarious. I loved that song. It's from, it's based on a meme that's literally just like, because uh, originally there was a PSA from gosh, the mid 2000s. Like early, I want to say, I think that started in the late 90s. Late 90s. Okay. I yeah. want to Because I remember um, seeing it then. Yeah. I was like, you wouldn't college. download a car. And yeah. or something like that. <laughs> so absurd. Um, the best part about that commercial is that um, it got taken down and they stopped showing it because they pirated the music in the background. What? Yeah. The anti-piracy commercial used pirated music in the background of their That ad. is hilarious. Yeah. I never knew that. But so that the song that I made was based off of like memes that are like that, where they're just like, you wouldn't download a house. Or like you wouldn't download stuff like that, and I was just like, "Well, what else couldn't you download?" <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I love the various styles of pants. <laughs> Stretchy thirty twos, you know, I was... joggers. <laughs> it also happened to coincide with when I needed pants. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't download them. Would I, you? I can't. I I wouldn't because I can't. <laughs> I had a lot of people in the comments talking to me about how they definitely would download these things and i'm like i would too i just can't <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah when i watched that i i just started laughing i was like this is brilliant i love that take off of that ad yeah <laughs> uh and and the subsequent memes no it was it was so much fun um but i think that's one thing that i really like about you is that you have this Un, honestly uncanny ability to kind of turn off and on the funny when you need to yeah um and I, we we talked about some of your inspirations uh in, during the pot during the live stream um but what what has what do you where am i going with this <laughs> you know i guess let's let's talk about those a little bit more i get yeah you know, I, i'd say um what has been your inspiration when you want to do something funny? When I want to do something funny, I mean, I know I talked about Ninja Sex Party. Yes. Um, but there's them. There's, of course, Lonely Island. There's, they are brilliant. Uh, yeah, there's Weird Al. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all those different comedy like musicians out there that have done like great work. I personally don't think I'm there, but I do think that I would like to be because it's one thing that I've definitely loved all my life. So when I think funny, I'm like, well, how do I make what they've done into something that I can do and something that's different? And I'm not just making like a boss in 2022, yeah. <laughs> you know, because right. that would be cringe. That would be very, um, um, but I'm on a boat though. Yeah. I'm, yeah, exactly. That's, you know? that, that's still fine. Yeah. That's still fine. Um, but whenever I want something more serious, like, I don't know, I guess a lot of that really just tends to be the more, um, I don't know, actually, uh, for like serious lyrics, a lot of the times it's just something that I write. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm in a certain mood, I'll just write something out and I'll be like, all right, well, that's a lot darker than I thought. And do you that, find that you have to be in a certain mood to write a certain way? Or do you kind of go into it thinking, I'm feeling this, I want to write this right now? Um, I feel like a lot of the time if I go to write lyrics and it feels like it alternates, honestly, with how I do write stuff. Um, but like I will go into I need to write a song. 
and then I will go into Ableton and I will see if anything comes to mind. And if nothing comes to mind, I'll go to my pen and paper. Mm-hmm. And if nothing goes there, I'll go to my keyboard and Google Docs and then I'll just start typing stuff. I just start typing words. Like a little free form. Yeah. Actually. And then I grab a word and I'm just like, that's the word I want to use or like base this on. Um, for um, Feel Alive, that one was pretty like instinctual going into the lyrics mm-hmm. because a lot of the lyrics are just what I was thinking at the time where I was just like, I just want to punch something. I just want to jump yeah. around and like do a backflip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Um, but like, uh, for TV love, I had to grab a bunch of different like words relating to TV. Like I just typed mm. TV and then I was like static, uh, radio, uh, signals, like that sort of stuff. And was just like, what can I use and where can I use it? And how do I want to use it in a sense? And then do I want it to be funny? Because if I'm writing a song about rekindling a lost love, I don't think that's going to be funny unless it's about Hot Pockets, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like this isn't microwave love. This is yeah. TV love. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. TV dinners. Yeah, yeah. TV dinners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that's sort of how I switch on and off, the sort of thing. But a lot of my inspirations, honestly, more go into my instrumental background with, like, working in electronic music and backing tracks. And then the lyrics are honestly... Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that and the instrumental kind of things, because um, you have kind of an instrumental background. Um, you've infamously made a lo-fi song in 15 minutes. Yes. Uh, it, well, redone, redid it in 15 minutes, but yeah. still. Um, but and it was really good. <laughs> that's the thing it's my most streamed song like monsoon is uh it's one of those things that i made out of spite and then turned into a really good song and then i was like damn this sounds really good (laughs) but i don't want to make any more of it so um i don't know instrumentals i i used to be in a discord server um Mm -hmm. throughout college or bachelor's college but um where every like week or month or so they would have this thing called a genre spin um where we would all spin a wheel and then we'd all get a random genre to make and we would just kind of come together that next friday and be like all right i made 80s synth pop Mm -hmm. and here's my song and whether or not it achieved that or not people give you feedback and like hey you could do this next time or hey you could do this so i was a part of a really nice community for a while like talking about all that and they're still out there doing stuff i honestly wish i could remember the name of the server because they still have a discord server and a reddit but i think they're just like the indie musician network Mm -hmm. online and uh they're great uh they're all really nice people but that was how i got the chops i guess for just kind of doing stuff and then with electronic stuff in crosstalk the group that i was in in, at the university of arizona um, we all wrote our own music so we didn't have like anyone that was just like hey we have a book that's from 30 years ago where we just play music from this. I was like, I have five songs that I made this semester and we're going to play two of them. And then the professor or whoever was in charge would be like, no, Ian, that's too many songs or we're playing all your music. So we're just going to play one of your songs. And I go, okay, sure. So, Oh, wow. Uh, Still, would, that's pretty neat. Though. Yeah. I'd have to notate it. I'd have to make parts for everything. I'd have to compose it with the group in mind. And honestly, wow. after I graduated, it was really freeing because I didn't have to compose for uh, like seven specific instruments. I could just go for as many or as little as I wanted to. Um, but that was also really difficult sometimes where I'd make something and be like, there's three parts. 
how do I give this four more parts? You know? Yeah. I get that kind of makes my brain hurt right now. Trying to think, I mean, I can think of three part harmonies, but yeah. I mean, seven part in, you know, is creating seven different parts. Yeah. That. Wow. Yeah. What, what was the process of trying to come up with those different parts? A lot of it was usually just, I make something and then I link them in my brain to who would play what. And if someone's not playing something, I make a part. So in the setup for crosstalk, there are four drum cats. A drum cat is essentially just like a drum sampler, except they're old and from the nineties. So, um, they're all MIDI programming. Okay. Um, so you have to hardware program them yourself. You go in there with an edit pedal, you like go through every single note and program note by note. There that would, sounds tedious. It's very tedious. I was very good at it. Um, like from day one, I got so into it that I became the fastest programmer in the group by like the wow. second year. Um, and it was, uh, it's 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 weirdly fun for me. But those are such old systems that like they don't come out with them anymore, and you have to go on eBay to find something. But mm-hmm. um, you would uh, sometimes end up with like 128 note segments. That like because someone came in with this really long sixteenth note passage with no repetitions, uh-huh. you'd be like, "Well, now I have to program every single note instead of I could program just these sixteenth notes right here and sure. just like keep playing that." Or if it's just one note, bah, yeah. Bah. Um, so there was those the four drum cats, and those had very limited control. So mm-hmm. if I had a part that was like a very simple melody or a very simple like da 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 da, that would go onto the drum cats. If I had a melody that got more complex and messed with everything and sort of gone into accidentals and everything, I would usually put those on the mallet cats. And there were two of those. So mm-hmm. it was tough sometimes to say like, well, a mallet cat could be chords or a mallet cat could be the other stuff or they could be both. It just depends on who's playing it, who's able to play what they can play. If I have this really complicated melody, is the person that's on it going to be able to play it? And then there was the trap cat. That is essentially just an electronic drum kit in like a, trapezoid oh okay um so you just look at it you go beep boop 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 and then it's all kind of programmed um that's a pretty simple self-explanatory one it's a drum kit you play you put a drum kit on there and then it goes yeah um but it was all live performances there was rarely ever anything pre-recorded in the background we would sometimes map out audio recordings onto the drum cats to be played sure or we had a um uh, module sometimes at the front that we trigger samples from but it was a lot of that sort of thing i forgot what we started the question with <laughs> it was just like how did you know how did you write for different parts oh yeah it was it was a uh, yeah there were seven parts oh six seven seven parts so what got you into the mallet cat specifically like what what drew you to that instrument because you're the only one i know who plays that yeah i um well, so like I said, I was really good at programming the drum cats. Mm-hmm. It's so tedious. It's yeah, like really it sounded like it. It's really nice to do in a group setting, but soloistically it's like really difficult to play and not look like you're a loser. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> no offense to the people playing the drum cats. It's definitely something that goes with a drum kit. Like I know mm-hmm. a lot of uh percussionists will have a drum cat in their setup for like orchestras. Um, oh, interesting. I didn't or know. Or like pit orchestra specifically. Yeah. Like I know the Hamilton percussionist um uses a drum cat and is set up to trigger samples from Ableton Live. Oh. Um and he's got a drum set with him. But like 
he's not playing alone. He's playing with an ensemble and his drum set, you know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. an accompanying sort of piece. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Malik cat is very much something that can be an accompanying piece or it can just be something on its own. It's like, I'd rather spend $3,000 on a piece of equipment that can be anything versus spending $3,000 on a really crappy vibraphone that I have to lug everywhere. And it's like two tons, yeah. you know, like yeah. I would hate moving that. It's really fun to own a vibraphone. I would love to have one, but it's not in the budget for me. And it's not, um, uh, the variety on it isn't great. Mm -hmm. Like you can do what you can do on a vibraphone. There's some cool stuff you can do on a vibraphone, but it is not diverse in its portfolio of sounds. Sure. No, I hear you. As the Malakat is. Yeah. That is... I, I feel like if people listen to your music, they probably wouldn't even know that you play the Malakai. Oh, probably not. Yeah. It's very much a hidden thing where it's used in composition where if I need or I'm stuck in a rut and I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. I put a Malakat, um solo in there. Little Sawaro has a notorious sample, uh, not sample, solo in it after each chorus that every single person I submitted it to for like playlist um, stuff hated. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Uh, so sorry. Yeah, no. Like, I loved it. It was my favorite part of the entire song. But every time I submitted it somewhere, people were like, "The post chorus is a uh, really long," <laughs> and I uh, don't, I don't like the sound of the instrument that plays. And I'm like, "Jeez, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just go uh, not do that. I don't know." <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of like mallet solos here and there. If you ever hear like a vibraphone solo in one of my pieces, there's. Mm-hmm a piano solo at the end of monsoon that was recorded on a mallet cat. Um, there's some pieces that I've recorded with. There's a song that I did with Zach risk and brain delay where I am essentially just doing a vibraphone solo in the background of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and aside from that, like if there's ever chords, I'll usually do chords on mallets because I hate piano in that area because like I don't have the brain of a pianist where I can't just like go and do chords. I have to have mallets in my hands and then I can mess with stuff there. And then if I play it, I can mess with it in the DAW. Yeah. But it's because of the mentality that I have with how I like do music onto a page. Yeah. No, that ma- that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Um, golly. I'm trying to think of where to go to next. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, we've covered so much. Yeah. Um, and, and it, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, where, where do you see yourself going with this? Like, you know, um, how far do you want to take it? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I wish I had a goal in mind. I think that's partially why I've just been kind of taking it easy. Like every so often, if I have a day off, I'll just be like, all right, time to spend seven hours making a dumb video for TikTok. That'll get five (laughs) views. Um, but at the same time, you know, I get 24,000. Exactly. Right. (laughs) On Instagram. Instagram. Um, I, I've been really investing a lot of time into my website and trying to get some more educational tools out there for music tech education. That's kind of what I'm finishing up my master's for, because Mm -hmm. I want to go into eventually, um, either high school or collegiate, um, music technology education since it's very like, yeah, it's a very, um, minor piece of education right now. And music education already is kind of like in the dumpster in terms of budget. So that's why it's really difficult to get into. But it is kind of crazy how, like, I want to say 23% of schools in America have music technology. And it's almost really? 2023. And 
Lost Honestly, I would have said a lot less than that. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, two years ago, it was uh, 10%. So they're going up. Okay. But, like, it's encouraging, but yeah. that, you could still stand to see more growth. I think, uh, of all things, COVID actually helped with oh, really? that because okay. when people went online, everyone realized, oh, hey, what I can do online for a music class is teach them all how band lab works or soundtrap. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that kind of introduced a lot of that stuff. But just having the sort of tools and resources for students going into the world of music tech or sound design or wherever they may be, like I'd like to give that to them. And uh, on my website, there's like a resources tab for like different academic resources. There's journals, there's articles, there's um, like schools that you can go to. Like if Mm -hmm. you want to get a degree, you can go to Full Sail or you can go to LA or you can go to IUPUI, you can go to anywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So based on your experience, what do you think of these different programs? Eh, uh, (laughs) To be honest, uh, this is one of those degrees where you really have to um, know what you want to do afterwards mm. going into it. I would not recommend a music technology or music production degree to someone that is already good at music production because you're going to see a lot of people introducing the basics, introducing Ableton, what this is, what it's not. If you want to go into sound design for movies, yeah, mm. get a degree. Because people are going to take you a lot more seriously if you show up to like an L.A. studio like, hey, I've got a master's in this and it's a master's of science. And they're like, OK, play flip flops on the beach for me. And I'm like, OK, sure. Um, <laughs> but if you are just going into production, like if you want to make your own studio, you don't need a degree for that. Mm-hmm. It's honestly an expense that you could be putting towards a studio yeah. or making a studio or getting equipment. And it's always a challenge in my brain to like say that I want to be a professor of music technology, but just recommend that people use YouTube because honestly, a lot of the time YouTube has better resources. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just because uh, younger musicians and music technologists are still getting into the field. Whereas most of the people that teach these programs are kind of older and nothing against them, but a lot of them are still kept up in like the 2000s and like the 90s and are amazed by things like the Ableton push. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a great piece of hardware, but it's not something you just like go beep, boop, 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 and show the class, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a field. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the way you talk about it, it makes me think of the artist Beck. Yeah. Um, and it feels like whenever Beck is winning a Grammy, uh, especially these days, it's more for the production of his album. And he's very, very proud of that. Yeah. Uh, do you look to artists like Beck or uh, artists like Beck? I don't know who who else is like him. Um, but like when you're working on or when you think of sound design or, or music technology, uh, especially in the realm of music, is that someone that, sh- that you consider or like, are there other artists that you would consider? I mean, off the top of my head, I don't really think I have too many artists in mind. I would say like for in terms of uh, musicians that I would think to that are like extremely successful in the area of like production, um, like two of the bigger names that I would say come to mind are going to be like Bruno Mars and David Guetta. Weirdly oh, enough, yeah. because Bruno Mars has worked on like K-pop music and David Guetta did like... 90% of the pop songs that were in like the early 2010s. Really? Yeah. Like a lot of, I think I, that entire Black Eyed Peas album that came out in like the 2010s was a David Guetta like production. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. like I'm a B and all of that. And yeah. Then, 
sorry if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that David Guetta did a lot of the music for a lot of that and like worked with Will I Am. Mm-hmm. Um, but production is like a big thing nowadays. And if you don't have good production, you're not going to get a good audience because no one wants to listen to a crappy song. And there's, it's such a flooded market of music that it's really hard to get into unless you have that production or you have someone backing you or you know someone or you can get onto a Spotify playlist or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I tell you, it seems, unless you know people, yeah. to get on a, on a playlist it seems almost impossible. Colleges for knowing people. Yeah. yeah. No, that's definitely the case, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you've been able to kind of make some of these inroads as you've been working towards your master's and, and finishing up your bachelor's? Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. I mean, it's the whole reason I came to Indy, and I feel like I've already gotten so many more connections just being here than I was in Tucson, where I was kind of just hiding in my apartment the entire mm-hmm. time. And if I ever did go out, I was just like kind of hiding in the corner. Whereas now I'm like, hey, how's it going? My name's Ian. I have a website. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Well, so you have you have two websites. <laughs> yeah. You have one for your music, but you have one as an educational resource, correct? Um, the It's technically all the same website. I used to have a Cat Dad Bops website where I sold merch. And okay. that was for my music and stuff. But I have since then shut it down. So it is now just massmusic.org. It is okay. for lessons, freelance work that I do. Um, tell me tell me about your freelance work yeah. and, and your lessons. What, what, what kind of lessons do you offer? What kind of freelance work do you do? Yeah, so lessons, percussion lessons for classical percussionists that want to learn online. Um, there's none of them. And then there is uh, uh, Ableton. So I do private lessons in Ableton Live or music production, whatever your DAW of choice is. Mm-hmm. I can honestly work in anything. Um, as long as it's not audacity, I mean, I could work in audacity, but I would recommend not to, especially when Reaper's right there. Uh So, um, but I, I am very well versed in DAWs. So I figured that'd be a good thing to teach people, especially because like, no matter where you are in your journey, you can always learn something new. Even if you take one lesson or five or 20, if you're someone that's been doing this for 10 years, but have never touched Ableton, like I'm here to show you, Hey, if you go into Ableton, you can do that in like two clicks or you can like yeah. just record someone and then add it in later. Or if you use this plugin, you know, um, or even if they don't want that sort of help with a DAW, like I'm there to help them as like a, not necessarily a manager for say, but like someone sure. who has that sort of like recommendations and feedback. And I'd like to work with them along the way. So if they have a song that they're working on and I can go, yeah, this is too loud. This is too quiet. This needs to be brought up. This needs to be brought down. Um, I'd like it if you added a break here, that sort of thing, and helping them along the process of making a song in the lessons and then helping them on the way of like who to distribute through. Like, do you want to use DistroKid or do you want to use like whoever else? Yeah. There's a million others at this point. CD Baby. Yeah. CD CD Baby. Uh, I've got some stuff to say about them, but (laughs) honestly, everybody should have something to say about CD Baby. Yeah. Now I use DistroKid personally. I do too. Now Mm -hmm. I used to use CD Baby. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you had a bad experience? It's just too expensive. It really is. I don't know why they cost so much. Even when they have like deals where they're like, oh, it's only $20 to release a song. It's like, okay, yeah, $20 for the standard. And then you have to pay for the licensing and then you have to pay for all this other stuff. And then nickel and diming you left and right. And then your mom buys it and you're like, cool, I made five bucks back. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Although with DistroKid, I mean, I'm, I'm. I, I, I use them and I'm I'm thoroughly thrilled with DistroKid, but yeah. I mean I can look at it and be like, wow, all right, I've made twelve dollars in two oh, yeah. years. Yeah. Yay. 
I, I think over the course of my entire career in music, I have made $15. Congratulations. Yes, which is pretty good. That is. Yeah, I'll take no, that it, is. you know. Yeah. Um, and I'd say I'm pretty proud of that. You know, some people are like, you know, I just hit my first $10 and I'm like, in how long? And they're like five months. And I'm like, high five, dude. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, seriously, you're making 10 bucks in five months. That's, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's, that's a, pretty good. Yeah. I've done the math on it and I think you need, um, like I, I want to say a thousand streams is going to be about like nine bucks. Wow. If that maybe like seven bucks. Um, uh, I, cause I believe the split for Spotify is 0.76 of a cent. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's 0.67 cents per stream you get. And so it's not even, you don't even get a full cent. No, no, no. It's very depressing. Yeah. It's very depressing. <laughs> oh, well we don't make, we don't make music to make money. Apparently. No, you don't. No. no. I mean, Unless I'm going out there and for some reason Monsoon gets to a million streams, but we're not there yet. Not there yet, but I mean, you could. You you hit the, the right uh, the the right lo-fi playlist. Oh, yeah. My son loves lo-fi. He finds that perfect to, to study to. I had a uh, used playlist push on that song specifically because I oh, was really? like, someone could, yeah, get it out there. I mean, it was obviously a birthday present to myself because when I sent it out, I, or it was a Christmas gift to myself because when I sent it out, it was like $400, but... <sighs> Yeah, it's Ooh. it's not worth it unless you're getting like a million streams. By the way, yeah, no. Um, so I just was kind of like, eh, what, what's the hurt, you know? And I got on like a few playlists. One of them still plays me, you know. And oh, nice. So it's it's nice, but it's definitely not worth it. No, no, no. I, I haven't been able to locate anything that I feel like has been worth that. Yeah. It's it's all for the serotonin. Like if you pay four hundred dollars, you're paying for the serotonin of seeing that twenty people have listened to your song. Right. Yeah, you know, and you're like, Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh man. Well, Ian, we've covered so much. Is there anything that I have missed that you feel like you wanted to to say, to get across? um to promote not no nah, not that i know of i mean if there's anything just to promote is that if anyone anyone out there really like needs lessons on working at a DAW, or if you are interested in doing your own music and not having to spend as much money like going to a studio if you want to build that home studio just let me know um uh my email is imast at oh gosh at mass is info yeah that's at you it's uh, info at massmusic.org, um, or you can just go on my website, massmusic.org, and contact me through there. Okay. Like, I still recommend going to studios because they're always going to do it the best most of the time. Yes, um, especially. Yeah, especially. Especially the engine room, which this is, thank you for that transition. That is beautiful. <laughs> the engine room recording company is located in Broad Ripple Village, just north of downtown Indianapolis. 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 What? What's? Where is that? Indianapolis, and it specializes in making your projects go. Podcasters, bands, audiobookers, rappers, singers, songwriters, and everyone in between. The Engine Room Recording Company has the engineers, the equipment, and the environment to fuel your projects. Check out Broad Ripple's Recording Studio by visiting for more information on their services, artists they've recorded, and gear they have at EngineRoomRecordingCompany.com. And be sure to visit their Instagram page by searching for Engine Room Recording Company. Ian, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for being on the live stream. Thank yeah. you for giving me so much of your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. And be sure to check out Ian uh, on Instagram, Ian Mast Music. Uh, he is knocking it out of the park there. Just don't check him out on TikTok. Yeah. Um, 
you only get maybe five views. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ian, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And this is Josh Gillespie. This has been Voices of Indie Podcast. We'll be back next time.